Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. If you're just joining with us, uh, we're going to be wrapping up uh, the book of Philippians here this morning. Um, I believe this is now the... um, 42nd message that we've uh, done here out of Philippians. And, um, you know, this is just something that we've been spending probably a little uh, a little over a year in, uh, going through Philippians and talking about some things. And we've covered a, a wide uh, variety and range of uh, topics as what uh, Paul writes about here in uh, Philippians. And today we're going to finish this up in the last three verses of Paul's letter uh, to this church. And basically, it's dealing about uh, some final instructions to the body of believers here at Philippi, just kind of like a farewell greeting. Uh, This is uh, the last few things that I would like for you to know. And, uh, you know, all of us um, who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, um, we are part of the body of Christ. This is something that we are all part of. And one of the things that's a little difficult for us to kind of navigate in life is is learning how to live with other believers because all of us have different backgrounds. We have different um, likes, dislikes, but God has called us together all as one body. And as the body of believers, we are called to learn how to get along, learn how to live with each other. And so Paul's uh, last three uh, verses here dealing with the Philippian church are just some uh, final instructions, if you will, of how to live together uh, in Christ. And so this is what I would like for you to take away with you for today. Grow in your fellowship with one another. Grow in your fellowship with one another. It's interesting to note that in the early church, especially when you read Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42, it talks about the fellowship of the believers, but it begins with the apostles' teaching. It says that they continued in the apostles' teaching, uh, and then it talks about how that they then had fellowship with one another, then the breaking of bread, and then prayers. And so this is all part of the, uh, the life of the church, of the, of the local church. And remember, the church is not these four walls, glass, lights, carpet. That's not the church. This is just a building. The church is you. It's a living organism. It's alive. And God is the one that gave his son, Jesus Christ, for the church. He died for the church. He sacrificed himself for the church. And uh, we are that living representation of the church um, because we've come to know Christ as our Savior. And so God's Word tells us that we need to be growing in our fellowship one with another, growing together uh, in our fellowship. So let's take a look here at our text here and see what uh, Paul has to say about these things. So here's the last three verses. He says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so I want to give you a few things about some final instructions that uh, Paul really highlights here in these uh, last uh, three verses here. So number one, the church includes every saint. 
The church includes every saint. Notice what he says here. Greet every saint. I really like the way Paul states this. Not a general say hi to everybody. Tell everybody hello for me, right? He says, greet every saint. Not a greet all the saints, but every saint. We need to remember that the church is not made up of only a few important families or a few important individuals, you know? Like, oh, we, we really, we really going to spend time with this individual because they got influence. No. The church is made up of every saint. And every saint is important. Uh, if you can remember back in uh, the beginning of Philippians chapter number one, Paul actually, when he greets them, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Then he makes mention of two specific uh, offices here. He mentions overseers and deacons. He says, say, greeting all the saints, all the overseers, all the deacons, and he as we go through even scripture, he makes emphasis about certain individuals. He mentions Epaphroditus. He mentions Yodia uh, and Syntyche, the, the two women that could not get along. But here at the end, he says, greet every saint. So every saint is important. This letter is to all and every saint. Each person counts. None are to be excluded Saints are added to the church one by one. We don't build the church. It's not up to us to make some kind of programs to get people to come and for them to be like, oh yeah, I really want to be a part of that church. No. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. The Lord is the one who is building his church. He is the one that is convicting people and showing them their need of himself and he is the one that is drawing people unto himself. He is the one that has this revealing power that they realize that they need Christ and they turn to him. It's not up to us to sit there and try to convince people. The Lord is the one who is building his church. And so God himself is bringing people into the church. And so every saint is important. As John said in John chapter 1, he said that those that are born of God, he said, those who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so if you're here and believe that you're a part of the church, the redeemed ones, and going to heaven because maybe your parents were good Christians, or maybe uh, your parents had some good standing in a church previously before that, but you personally have never repented of your own individual sin and turned to Jesus Christ for salvation, you're not going to heaven just because of what your parents did or what your parents have done. It's kind of like saying, well, you know, if you sleep in a, in a garage that makes you a car, it doesn't work that way, okay? Um, you have to personally come to faith in Jesus Christ in order to be part of the church, the redeemed ones that uh, you have been changed and transformed by Jesus. You must realize that Jesus Christ shed his blood as the only way possible for your sins. Uh, to be redeemed, that all of your works, all of your self-works of righteousness don't mean anything, uh, is what, uh, is what uh, Jeremiah says. He says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. 
And so you have to come to faith in Jesus Christ to be part of the church. And at the moment of salvation, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one that baptizes us into the body of Christ. When you read 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about that, that all of us are placed in the body of Christ and we have different functions, just as our body has many members. Does anybody in here have 12 toes? No, all right, you have a certain number of toes. Uh, does anybody in here have two heads? No, right, you have one head, you have two eyes, right? We all have individual members, and even within the body of Christ, even though there's many, uh, we're all part of the same body, we're all part of the same body of Christ, and even though there's many members, all of us serve a, a distinct function. And so every member, every person of the church is important. And that's why Paul says here, the church includes every saint. You know, chances are some of you probably never thought about your pancreas this week. But did you know that without your pancreas, you have some severe health issues, right? Um, and sometimes I think what happens even within the church, there might be members that we might not think are very important. But God views it differently. He says that every member is important. Every saint is important because it all serves as a function together of the whole. And so we need every single person that God has brought with to within the church because every uh, member is important. And so the church, each member is vital for its proper functioning. Here's the second thing. The church is to be made up of saints growing in holiness. Notice what he says here. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The word saint simply means holy ones. Uh, sadly, there's a, a lot of wrong teaching, uh, especially within the Catholic Church, that elevates people to sainthood. And uh, these saints can even help you with all kinds of things from anxiety to even selling your house. So, you know, you, you rely upon these saints to actually help you do all these things. But the Bible's very clear that if you have come to know faith in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. That's what God's Word calls us, and it says that we are saints. And so the church is to be made up of these saints, and we are to be growing in holiness. You see, Paul addressed the immature Christians uh, there at Corinth in uh, 1 Corinthians 1-2, and he says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And when you think about the church at Corinth, how, how, how many problems that they had and how much things that they did and allowing homosexuality to be prevalent in the church and even allowing uh, people to uh, doing all kinds of things that were not right, God still called them saints. He says, you're called to be saints. And as believers in Christ, if that's what God has called us, then we need to act like it. Be what you are. Actually live out what God has already called you uh, and said of you. So if you are a saint, if God has declared that you're a saint, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, then you are to be growing in holiness. What does that mean? That means that you're constantly in a process of renouncing sin in your life and constantly renewing your mind in Jesus Christ and living differently 
than what you used to live. It's a continual process that all of us must continually go through. And so it's important that we view ourselves as such. It means that God has set us apart from the world unto himself. We are to be in the world, having contact with worldly people, but we are to be distinct from the world. We're not to be of the world. We're not supposed to be living in a bubble, right? But we are in this world right now, but we need to be living separately from the world. And so God has called us saints, and so we need to be living that out in our life. Being a saint is a position that is to result in appropriate practice. Our position is in Christ, set apart unto God. Our practice is to grow in godly behavior. And of course, the church is both a fellowship of sinners and it is a fellowship of saints. And the sinners are in constant need of grace. And we must hold both of those truths in tension. The fact that as we are growing in grace, that we are renouncing sins in our life, that we are then too supposed to be growing in holiness and doing that. So we must hold both of those uh, in tension in our life. Here's the third thing. The church is to be Christ-centered. Notice what he says again. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. As believers in Christ... When we have our fellowship one with another, it should be Christ-centered. That is to say, we are to set apart unto God through our being in union with Christ Jesus. Because notice what he says, every saint in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say set apart in these teachings. He doesn't say set apart in this philosophy or of this way. He says that we have been set apart in Christ Jesus. You see, it's Christ's righteousness when it's imputed to us, when we believe and we are placed in him so that all that is true of him is true of us. Apart from him, we would not be saints at all. Because he is our Lord, our everything, our all in all. Everything we do must be centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. What's interesting to note is that the number of times the name Jesus Christ is spoken of in the book of Philippians. When Paul is talking about who Jesus is and, and things that he's giving to the church, he never separates who Jesus is from what he's trying to tell people in the church. There's a connection there. And so Christ is the center of it all. And when you go through the book of Philippians, it's interesting that we find that there is probably the mention of Jesus Christ once in every two or three verses. It is centered around Him. Everything that we should do as believers in Christ should be centered around Jesus Christ. Because it is Jesus Christ that's the one that died for us. It is Jesus Christ, the one that gave himself for us. And it is Jesus Christ who, that we are sustained. It is Jesus Christ in whom we live. I mean, remember what Paul said, his declaration about, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So we have to remember that everything, the church, is to be Christ-centered. The local church is not just to be a social club where we converse about the same sorts of things worldly people talk about. 
Our supreme desire and goal is to know Christ more deeply. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him even in death. And so when we come together as believers in Christ, we need to remember that he should be the focus of our fellowship. He should be the focus of our teaching. He should be the focus of our worship. He should be the focus of our prayers. Everything is to be Christ centered. It's all about him. And we need to remember that. Here's another thing. The church is to be family. Notice what he says here. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. And then he uses this phrase, the brothers who are with me greet you. If you are a believer in Jesus, then we all share something in common. We all have the same father. God is our Father, and we have been brought in by adoption to the family of God, and so we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we remember that, it should be a lot harder for us to sin against one another, to treat others in a way that we shouldn't be treating each other, because we're all part of the same family. It's not them versus me. We're all part of the same family. We're all in this together. Human families are a place where everyone belongs just by virtue of who they are, not by what they do or what they have accomplished. The elderly are in the family, and even though they can no longer work or have a career, they are valuable to the family. They are the ones who begot us and reared us, they have handed off their values and wisdom to us. Babies and young children are in the family. They make up a lot of the work because they are always needing constant attention. But they are the hope of the future. And so we marvel at what God does in everything. And so when God brings a church together, he's building his church, a church should be very diverse in the people that make it up. And so we shouldn't just have all young people or all old people. It should be diverse. It should be made up of several different kinds of generations because we all learn from one another. And God has brought all of us together as the family. Everyone in between from teenagers trying to establish their identity into the middle age who are feeling their bodies beginning to wear out are a part of the family. And so families aren't perfect. You ought to know that, right? All of us have skeletons in our closet in our families' lives. So families aren't perfect, so don't expect the family of God to be perfect either because all of us in here are growing through sanctification and we all still squabble and fight and have problems with one another. But that's where grace comes in. That's where we learn how to forgive and we learn how to forbear with one another and we learn how to grow with one another because we're all part of the same family of God. I would have to say that the American church has become too entertainment-oriented today. Uh, you can draw a crowd if you put on a good program, but if you announce that the church family is just getting together to meet with the Lord and pray, chirp, 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 right? What's happened? Well, we have forgotten what's important, and it's the fact of having faith family together, having that time together of being family. 
And so it ought to be enough for us to just gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship the Lord uh, and pray together and spend time together, have fellowship with one another because we are family together. Here's another one. The church works together. Look what he says here. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. Can you remember where Paul was? He was in prison under house arrest. It really wasn't a great place to hang out. But what did Paul say? He said, here's these brethren and they are with me. In fact, remember, they sent Epaphroditus to Paul to strengthen him and help him and give him a gift. And Paul was like, hey, I've been well supplied. I received this gift. I'm well supplied in all of this. Uh, He says, because you have labored with me, you've been helping me through all of these things. Here Paul was in prison for for preaching the gospel. He had even other believers in Christ who were criticizing his ministry of what he was doing. And he says, I'm being strengthened because my brothers are here and they're laboring with me. And so the church works together. Let me give you a biblical example of this, of how uh, the church kind of worked together here with Paul. Turn with me over to uh, 2 Timothy When Paul had these other uh, believers come and help him, it really helped the church grow as a whole. And here in 2 Timothy, uh, verses uh, 16 and 17, we read some interesting verses here as what happens. So Paul here says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 16 and 17, he says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. But all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And so here Paul talks about that in this first time that he writes to him, he says, hey, look, nobody stood beside me. He says, nobody was there to help me. But the Lord stood with me. The Lord helped me. But then look again at uh, 2 Timothy and look at uh, verses 1, uh, or chapter 1, verses 16 uh, through 18. He says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service that he rendered at Ephesus. The word Onephesus there, this man, Onephesus, his name actually meant bringing profit or being useful. And so this man here, he was not ashamed of Paul being in prison. And he searched him out. He went into Rome looking for him. Yes, can I help you? Uh, Yeah, do you got a guy in there named Paul? No, he's not here. Okay. Hey, do you got a guy in there named Paul? Uh, he used to be here, but we transferred him to another prison. Okay. Do you know where at? No, I don't know. Okay. Hey, is Paul here? He searched him out looking for him to refresh him, to help him. And when we think about the church together as a whole, all of us need each other. All of us need to be refreshed. All of us need encouragement. All of us need to be edified and lifted up and exalted in the fact that we are building the church 
together. We are edifying one another, using our spiritual gifts to help one another. And so the church is supposed to be working together in all of that. And so the church works together. The point is that even though we may have differences in our lives, we need each other and we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to stand with those who are hurting and give support just as these brethren did with Paul. I mean, they sent Epaphroditus to Paul and he said Epaphroditus almost nearly died while he was trying to fulfill what was lacking in the service for them uh, from the Philippian church. And so we need to be remembering that all of this is important, that we're working together. The church works together. Here's another one. The church is growing. Look what he says here. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now that's interesting. And so this is an interesting way that Paul said this because the term does not necessarily mean Caesar's immediate family although it could include these people, but it refers to those in civil service in Caesar's household. Some of these could be in the list that uh, Paul makes mention of in Romans uh, chapter number 16, which Paul had written a, a few, er, few years earlier prior to this. But in this case, they would have been Christians before Paul's arrival, but others, no doubt, were in those in the Praetorian Guard and in those positions who had met Christ through Paul's witness as a prisoner is what we read about in Philippians 1.13. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, right? Here he is, he's chained to a Roman guard, and he's witnessing to this Roman guard, telling him about who Christ is. And so he says, all those of Caesar's household. And so what's interesting here is you have Rome, a very pagan world at that time, and here's Paul giving the gospel. He's in chains. He's in bondage. And the church is growing. Why is it growing? Because Paul is preaching the gospel, even while he's in prison. The emperor uh, that uh, was in charge during this time when Paul wrote this letter was, uh, was known as Nero. And if you read, uh, there's a book called uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you can read about all the, the martyrs that died at the hands of the emperor Nero. Let me just give you some things about him. Uh, Nero had come to the throne at age 17 after his mother had poisoned her third husband, Claudius, who also happened to be her uncle. Five years later, Nero had his mother killed because she was getting too pushy. Three years after that, he had his own wife killed so that he could marry another man's wife. He murdered many of his top officials in the military and in the Roman Senate. And with that kind of, of uh, things going on, it was a very dangerous place to work inside of the household of Nero. But here Paul says, greet all the saints, especially those of Caesar's household. So think about this, right? Here are people coming to faith in Christ who are, work, who are working for a very wicked man and working in a very wicked, dangerous society at that time, but they're coming to faith in Christ. And so the church is supposed to be growing. And so you think about this. Where God has planted you right now, where you work, you might be thinking, man, you know, I go in, day in, day out, I'm here, I hear all these people, they, they, they blaspheme the name of God, they, they, they say wicked things, they're doing wicked things, but God has planted you there for what purpose? To be a witness 
to share God's glory, to be someone who's going to preach God's message of redemption and love and give hope to those that are hurting. And this is a growing church. You don't know what God is doing in all of this. The Bible talks about that there are those who plant, there are those that water, but God is the one that gives the increase. And so we need to be faithful in giving out the gospel to others because God may plant that seed and he may take some time and it's going to germinate and then there's going to be others that are going to come and they're going to water it with the gospel. But eventually God will give the increase in all of it. And it says that we will rejoice together with those that planted and those that watered that those people have come to faith in Christ. You may never see the results here, but wouldn't it be interesting to see the results later on? And so be faithful in what you're doing. And the church is supposed to be a growing church. Here's the last thing. The church is to be filled with grace. Notice what he says here in the last part of this verse. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And this is really his closing benediction. But it's more than just a, a nice way of saying goodbye. You know, see you later. Talk soon, right? What he's emphasizing here is the grace of Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is crucial to the gospel. It's everything that surrounds it. And he's placing an emphasis trying to remind them of how important the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ really is. Grace means God's unmerited favor shown to us who deserve his judgment. You see, without grace, we could not receive the gospel because none of us can ever earn or deserve it. Without grace, we cannot grow in holiness because we are so selfish and sinful that if God gave us what we deserve, we all would have been wiped out a very long time ago. By his grace, we are sustained. Every single morning that, that you wake up, that is God's grace to allow you to live another day and another day, and another day, and another day. It's God's grace that he sustains us in everything. And so we stand daily, constantly in need of God's grace because without it, we would be quickly consumed, gone. And so we need his grace. And so God's grace is something that we all want for ourselves. But many times I have found, even in my own life, that we don't want to extend it to others, right? In the time of need when I'm facing a difficult situation and I've done something that I shouldn't have done, oh, I want people to give me grace, right? Oh, man, I really hope that person, you know, extends grace to me. But then when we have somebody do something to us, we're very quick to withhold grace to others. And so Paul is reminding them, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And notice what Paul says about this grace. He says that it ministers to the spirit or the inner person, the inner man, our essential being. And it is our spirit that we commune with God. So many of our troubles can be traced to being defiled in the spirit is what 2 Corinthians 7.1 teaches us. But whether by bitterness, it's by greed or lust or envy or malice, but if the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ dwells in our spirits, then so that we are thankfully, joyfully live each day in the sweet awareness that God is at work in our lives and he's changing us and he's transforming us as we yield to him and we are renouncing sin and we're believing more of the gospel and we're trusting him uh, as he is sustaining us through all of that. And so we need to be extending grace to all of that. So 
let me just sum all this up here. How can we actually apply these last instructions here in our own lives? Well, I would encourage you as a believer in Christ to have fellowship with one another. So what does that mean? That means that you get to know one another. Now, some of you have been going to church with each other for a long time, and some of you don't even know each other's last names. Oh, it's that person that sits over there on the right-hand side. Yeah, that guy over there, right? Okay. You need to have fellowship with one another. That means that we are inviting each other over to our houses. That means that we are calling each other up, talking with them, praying with one another. You have to get to know one another if you're going to have fellowship with one another. You see, as we meet together on Sunday, yeah, this is great. But what about throughout the rest of the week? Get to know one another. Spend time having fellowship with one another. Commit yourself to the fellowship of the saints by working through relational problems. You know, sad to say, but sometimes we have differences in whatever we may have differences in. And instead of working through those things, we just kind of avoid each other. Kind of like, "Eh, I'm not going to talk to that person over there. Right? We have to work through those things because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. We're supposed to be greeting every space. We're supposed to be working together. God's grace is working in all of this. Another thing is commit yourself to the fellowship of the saints by ministering to one another. God has gifted you uniquely for the body of believers in a special way that you can minister to another person's needs. Don't rely upon somebody else to do it. Whatever God has gifted you in, you use those gifts to minister to the needs of others. And don't have the, the, the mindset of, this is all about me and somebody should be doing this for me. No, you find somebody that you can minister to and use it in that way. And I think this is some great things that we can do to help the body of Christ growing together spiritually, helping us grow together, being edified by one another. If we take Paul's words to heart and remember that each and every saint is important and all of us are in in this as we are working together. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.